Hello and welcome to the Sheer Business Inspiration Podcast. Here you'll find conversations with business owners, leaders, thought leaders and inspiring individuals. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the first ever Sheer Business Inspiration Podcast. This is episode one and my name's Joe Faraday and I'll be presenting the episode today. Our first ever guest is Richard McCann, and for those of you that aren't aware, Richard is a keynote speaker. He is a Sunday Times number one best-selling author, and he is also founder of the ICANN Academy. Richard has been inspiring, motivating, training, and developing audiences worldwide for the last 15 years. He runs numerous motivation and resilience workshops. And he is a proud father to three wonderful children and married to Helen. Richard, having experienced and ultimately overcoming extreme adversity early on in life, talks us through how he has bounced back after numerous dips and difficulties. So if you don't know Richard's story, please tune in. There's so much to cover in such a short space of time, but I know that you will find this a brilliant first episode. I've seen a lot of speakers. I spend a lot of money making sure I see some really good speakers and I would put him in the top 0.5% of those. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Richard McCann! Maybe talk to a man whose life was shattered when the Yorkshire Ripper murdered his mother when he was only five. For Richard McCann, the fallout from those crimes have been life-changing. The woman was murdered by one of the UK's most notorious serial killers, beaten with sticks. I, I slept the streets. I left school with no qualifications. I, I was kicked out of the army. I turned to drugs. I ended up in prison. I almost took my life. But you know when people discover that about me, they often have a question. It's always the same question, more or less. Richard, how? How have you turned that around? It's my attitude, my I can attitude. That's what's done it. I can overcome life's challenges. Those two words are the two most important words of the English language. Everything starts with I can. Hi, and welcome to today's um, session with Richard McCann. I am delighted that you are here to join us today. Um, Richard, you're a motivational speaker. You share your story around the world for any listeners that haven't come across you before. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your story, a bit about you? Well, I think the thing that I'm most, I'm going to say famous for, the thing that people book me for and the thing that I'm known for through my books is what happened 44, 45 years ago when at the age of five, my mother, Wilma McCann, went out drinking and we quite literally never saw her again. And it was a day I'll never forget. And I think for a couple of reasons, one, because she never came home. But secondly, me and my sister went walking the streets looking for mum, sitting at the bus stop at 5.30 in the morning in the dark was just something that I'll never forget. We were later to discover she'd been murdered. And what we didn't know at the time, that my mum was the first of 13 women to die at the hands of a man whose name was Peter Sutcliffe who was or became a serial killer and was known as the Yorkshire Ripper. I think it's that incident, although it was that 
long ago, but it's that that I speak about. I speak about a, no, a number of things, but it's that that was the start of the resilience journey, shall we say, the, the having to come to terms with some tragic loss and, and having to find the resources, I suppose, to to find a way back from that. And it wasn't easy. It's taken me years. There's been some ups and downs, which I might touch on. But I guess that is my story. I'm sorry, that's the start of the story. And I guess people are just, I'm going to say inspired. They are inspired, but they're also helped to understand that that young kid went through that and, and he was able to find a way back. And it helps them put things, their own challenges into perspective. And you know, right now, where we're all going through this, or we've been going through this pandemic and, and you know, put under pressure from all sorts of angles, it's helping people to hear some of my resilience strategies to help them now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, totally. And, and, you know, I've known you for a long time and I've, you know, as you said, you know, you do inspire many um, and you offer such great support to many as well. So, I mean, you've explained what those early years were like, but what was it like as a teenager? I mean, what, you know, how, how did you, how did you cope? Because losing a mother at such an early age. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, I'm going to show you me because you've asked that question. I'm going to show you. I did a webinar this morning. Ah. That is me. I think I'm actually about 11 there, not quite a teenager. But that was my, it's the only school photograph that I've got. To be fair, and now that I'm an adult and I heard about imposter syndrome, I was doing a bit of that as a child, as a young child, because I was pretending at school I was the class joker. I was pretending things were okay at home, but actually they weren't because after mum died and we were reunited with my father, my dad left when I was four. He put us through years of uh, well, abuse, really. Um, was psychological abuse, abuse, but physical. I'm on about brutal beatings. He actually drowned the dog in the bath and we all suffered at the hands of my father. But you know, that's true. And yes, I, I tried to mask that and pretend it didn't happen as a young man or as a young boy. But I love the guy. I, I, You're still your father at the end of the day. Still my father. And, yeah. and yes, as a child, and I ended up running away from home a couple of times. I got involved in drinking and you know, solvent abuse. But as, as a child, I hated him. But, and as a young adult, I hated him. But as I've matured and I've got to understand, I've become a parent myself, I've got to understand how... how is and he just didn't have the resources or the skill set the strategies to deal with well we're children anyway but we're talking about four traumatized children with lots of emotional problems so you know so life was tough but i put on this mask and pretended it was okay at home and you know as a, as a kind of a man i've heard from some of my classmates who said uh, some knew what was going on but some didn't know about my mum. So it was, it was funny because some would say to me, is it true your mum was this prostitute? And it was those words and I guess words like that, that gave me that low self-esteem. And I thought that they're all better than me. Something I've discovered as, a, as an adult that a lot of people suffer from limiting beliefs. Yeah, I mean, we've got, we, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and kids can say such cruel things, but then equally in adult life, you know, you have trolls, you have bullies you have people that you know for whatever reason they do what they do you know and that does affect other people but there's a reason that they're doing what they do and I don't condone it but you know that's that's the thing isn't it so you left school with no qualifications what work did you do initially what you know 
and, and by the way, yes, I did leave school with no qualifications, but it, it wasn't because I wasn't bright. I just decided I'm, I need to get out of here. I, I walked out of school at 16. I was supposed to go back from, to take my exams. Uh, we used to have a thing called uh, an Easter leaver. You can leave at Easter, come back for your exams. They've stopped all that now. So at Easter, I walked out and I left home. I moved in with my sister. My first job, and I don't know if I can quickly show you, but it was ironing trousers in, in a mill. Because oh, wow, that's, okay. It was in a mill. Uh, oh, yeah, then it would be my clothes. Because I, I showed it this morning. I was, I was ironing trousers. You see, I didn't know about the wider world. I didn't know about potential. I didn't know about, you know, growth and, and things that you can do to improve your lot. And I certainly didn't have an inspirational leader. What we've skipped over, by the way, because I know this is not my whole presentation, but one of my little yeah. highlights as a child, 12, 13, is my first inspirational leader was my teacher who encouraged me to take part in that public speaking competition at school. And I, and I won the competition. Oh, wow. So that, okay. That lifted yeah. me. But nevertheless, when I was working here in this, this mill, I didn't have one of those people. I was there on a, on a production line, just ironing trousers and then passing them on. So I did that. Then I was washing plates in a hotel as a kitchen porter. And then I decided I'm unhappy with my lot. And, you know, I see a lot of people and I coach a lot of people who are unhappy with their lot. You've got to do something about it. And I did. I went down to London. I joined the army. I joined a British army. And I, I didn't tell them about my mum. And, and in fact, here I am in the army, I believe. Oh, yeah, that is me back in oh, okay. 1969. <laughs> okay. That is me. But, I, but the thing is, I was ashamed of my childhood. I was ashamed of, well, mum being murdered, but, but also being murdered by Sutcliffe. And I know there's a lot of stigma. There still is a bit of stigma around all that, you know. But So I told them a white lie, and I said she died in a car accident. And, and things started to go a little bit better in, in my life. But as I talk about in my resilience workshops, you know, you can plan all you want. And it's good to have a vision, isn't it? But as we've oh. all experienced over the last few months, in fact, one of my clients who I spoke to two weeks ago, who I was supposed to be working with over the last three or four months, they all got stopped. But I spoke to her, they had to rip up their plans for the next five years because everything's out it's of the It's all gone. Yeah, it's all gone a bit. <laughs> it abs absolutely. It's gone very differently, as hasn't it? it? Yeah. And that's what happened in the army. I planned to travel the world in the, you know, that's, I went to the careers fair and it, no, it all came crashing down because uh, a magazine was published. And in fact, I've got the magazine there. That magazine was published. It found its way back to the regiment over in Germany. And, and, and basically I felt like I did as a, as a young kid damaged. It all came out. I was on the psychiatric ward and I was finally kicked out. I was actually kicked out of the army and um, I came back to my hometown of Leeds. So that's guess, my childhood, my early careers. and But going back to the resilience, I did what I think we have to do now or any challenge, and that is we have to accept it. Yeah. I had to accept that my career, my army, my global career in the army was over. And when the pandemic kicked in just a few months ago, I had to accept things have changed. Yeah. I, I mean, we're talking about events and such. I can know that you're involved in events. The events industry is ground to a halt in, in the way that it has or was, and things have had to change. I'm only doing I'm only doing things virtually now. Although I did yeah. get an, I did get one inquiry this morning for end of September. Yay! It's a dance. <laughs> yeah. Maybe coming back, but they're not going to be the same, are they? And not quite. Not have, for not for a while. Not going to be the same. So we have to accept that. Yeah. And adapt. That's what it's all about. It's adapting with what we've got. What can we do? Well, let's go virtual or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. 
So you've mentioned resilience and, and for me, that's such a key thing for us all at the moment because we have all had to adapt. We've had to look at new ways of working, um, new ways of working with children at home. You know, I've got a little one, so um, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and we haven't had to preschool him. So I know that, I know that you, you probably have with yours, um, homeschool. Um, so yeah, I mean, you've shared obviously the resilience um, and in your early years, but were there any other times that you had to really draw upon that resilience part of you? Well, to be fair, I think almost every year there's something else to deal with. I mean, we haven't got the time to go through it all, but I just want to show you something that demonstrates how many times I have had to be resilient. And then I, and I'll tell you how I use this with the audience. Where is that? There it is. Is that it? Yes. You see, all the, I call this my bounce backer graph. Brilliant. And that's my, that's my life. You can see the red dot there about yeah. there. That's mum died. So in wow, the, yeah. that's a setback. That's where I need that yeah. resilience. And as you can see, my whole life has been like that. Yeah. And when I do this with other people, we find that they've got a similar life. All right. They might not have been through what I've been through. But my point is this. After every period in the red or every setback, we always come out the other side. And life may never be the same, but that's why I knew when this pandemic kicked in, yeah. all right, we're in the red, but we'll come out of that. Yeah. I think going back to your question, the most painful thing, I'm trying to think of which one it was on there, was that you can see it, 39, when I'm 39, 40. Yeah. I lost my sister. Yeah. My sister, Sonia, it was Sonia who I went walking the streets looking for mum. She was my soulmate. And, yeah. you know, she stayed in the red and she just could not get out of it. And finally in 2007, and in fact, it was this suicide from Sonia that enabled me to find that empathy for my father. And I forgave my father because I had to break the news to him and um, to see him crumble like that. Bearing in mind, I've just had my own uh, child. I just had a, in fact, I've just had my second child. So I was a parent and I couldn't imagine what it must feel like to lose a child. And that required some digging deep for me to lose Sonia yeah. And I think I did what I encourage other people to do when, when you have a setback. Yeah. And that is to, to, to be grateful. For, I, I had to be grateful for what I did have, which was 39 years with her. Yes. Beautiful yeah. woman. And us, we could laugh and just, we would talk. We wouldn't even finish our sentences. We just knew what each other were thinking. Yeah. So that was when I needed to be resilient. But if you're going back to my bounce back and graph there, you can see in the last 12 months, I had to be resilient again because I lost my other sister. She was diagnosed with um, lung cancer and, and she died within about six or seven weeks and once again I was grateful for the time that I had with her before she passed yeah. because I could get to say goodbye to her the way that I couldn't with my sister or my mum or my dad so like I say there's been lots of times but I know I can get through them and I dare say there'll be more because I lost my mum in the way that I did that's done something to me it's helped me I guess face challenges a little bit more positively because I know I can get through it eventually. Yes, absolutely. Um, for those of you listening on the podcast, um, Richard has shared a, a bounce back a graph, um, <laughs> which is the positives and the challenges, uh, but we will be showcasing this on YouTube as well so people can tune in there. So um, as you mentioned, you're a family man now. Um, what's it like being a father? And do your children know about the early part of your life? Yes, I mean, parenthood, and any parent will know this, is tough at the best of times, let alone going through a pandemic. So, yeah, it's hard, but it is the most rewarding thing. But my kids are growing up now, 
So there's no like bedtime stories and such like, but I've still got one that's young enough that when I'm leaving the house, she'll shout me and give me a cuddle. That's <laughs> Isla who's, she's an inspiration as well. So I've got three children. Isla's a cracker. She was being put to bed by my wife this is last year. And Isla said to my wife, she said, what did she say? She says, oh, I'm so excited about tomorrow. And my wife said, what's happening tomorrow? She said, I don't know yet. Oh, I love that. It's a fantastic way of looking at the it world. It is. What a, what a lovely, lovely way. That is so lovely. And so you, you've, written, well, you've written a book about your life, um, but, but there's, there's a number of books you've written. Um, I know because I've read them. They're great. Um, but yeah, so you wrote a book about your life in 2004. And how did that come about? What was, what was the... Yeah, so the first book is just, uh, just a boy. And um, that was me as a boy. So just a boy. That was where it all started. And that led to my other books. But the way that that came about uh, is I... Well, my sister, in fact, stabbed her boyfriend. Oh, my goodness. I, I haven't really told you about Sonia. Well, I've alluded to some of it, but she's had a hell of a life alcohol, drugs, violent men, psychiatric wards, all that stuff. And she stabbed this boy, current boyfriend at the time and she didn't kill him. But when she was finally released from the police station, I just thought, well, she's going to go to prison. And I could see the relationship between her doing that and what happened to mum and her not getting the support when none of us did. And I thought, I need to do something. And it was, it was a bit naive, I have to say, now, because I thought maybe the judge would read the book, it would maybe reduce her sentence a little bit, but that was never going to happen. But that's where I got the motivation from. When the police dropped the charges, I stopped writing the book. But then, I don't know, a chance meeting on a salsa holiday in Spain, I met a young man whose mum had just written a book about him. And it wasn't even on the salsa holiday, it was just in the hotel. And I thought it was like the universe giving me a nudge. And I met his mum and she told me about the book and well, the rest is history. I came back from that salsa holiday with I guess renewed motivation to keep writing the book that was 2003 and it came out in 2004 16 years ago amazing I'm such a great believer in things happening for a reason though um and and I know that I know that there's you know we I've seen lots of posts of from you saying you know things have really strange ways of, of coming as coincidences and showing up and yeah I mean it it is is strange and weird and wonderful how the world works at times and um what advice would you give someone Richard that wants to make their mark on the world right now and um, you know there's a lot of people out there that are being made redundant obviously have lost people to this awful pandemic and or you know at any time losing someone's awful but um you know it, it's it's shape shake to the whole world so it's you know what what advice would you give well as far as making a mark on that i mean not everybody by the way wants to make a mark in the world no. in, i guess in ways like i do you know speaking around the world and books and all the rest of it yeah. i don't think we need to be like motivational speakers or authors we can make a mark on the world by doing some of the just the simple things hmm. crouching down beside that homeless person and just spending a bit of time with them, I don't know, buying them a tea or a sandwich or something. It's just those little bits of interactions that we have with our fellow human beings, whatever, wherever they're from, whatever colour hair, whatever colour skin they've got, we're just all the same family, really. Yeah. I just, I just think those little moments, we, we can make it, we can make a mark in the world. I did it last week. I bumped into a car. 
I reversed into a car, taking my daughter to school. But, but there was nobody there. So I left my number on the registration plate. Oh, that's such an honest thing to do because a lot yeah. of people don't do he that. Rang me, he rang me and says, what's going on? I said, I've scratched your bumper. He didn't even notice it. So I said, I'll come around tonight and we'll talk about it. I was going to make an offer to pay for it rather than going through the insurance. And he was so, I spoke to his son first. His son, this is an elderly gentleman. His dad was so overwhelmed that somebody would leave their number and anyway, he wouldn't take any money from me. Any money. From, I actually took him a big uh, basket of fruit at the oh. weekend. So, so it's just those. And then yeah. actually what happened, just to finish that story, that yeah. night, we just got some new furniture for my children, the, the girls. My wife sold something on, was it Facebook Marketplace? So I went, from the, right, is, who, <laughs> so I went from the gentleman who I was going to give the money to for scratching his car to drop off the, the set of drawers. And I said to my son, and this is how we can inspire our families and children. I turned to my son after I'd got the 30 pounds and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back. I'm going to give them the money back. And I went back and, he went, and the man couldn't understand why I was giving him his money back. So I, I, I explained the man. It was, it was that, you know, right. pay it forward. Pay it forward. Yeah. Which is so, brilliant. And kindness, you know, human kindness is so powerful. So, you know, it, is, it doesn't cost a penny, does it? It, doesn't, it was just a beautiful little thing. So my point is just, those little interactions with our fellow human beings. How are you? No, how are you really okay? It's just interesting in other people. But of course, if someone's got a passion to change the world, well, my, my thoughts on that is well, go out and do it, make it happen. Yeah. And uh, you'd be surprised that when you set a goal and intention, how, like me with the book, how the universe can make things happen in a kind of spooky way that, how oh, is that supposed to happen? But often they do. So on, on that vein as well, there's a lot, like I've, like I've alluded to, there's a lot of people being made redundant. And um, you've said, you know, the hospitality and event sectors, the many sectors are being affected and the suppliers that supply them. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you speak globally. Um, you can do it in the virtual sense, but it isn't quite the same as being in a, a, a you know, a, an arena or a, a conference venue with thousands of people. Um, so for the people that are in a situation where they're feeling like I don't quite know what I'm going to do, you know, how can I turn my, my life around? Or they might be in a, in a, you know, a worse situation, like you say, you know, homeless. Um, you know, I, I think none of us should be taking anything for granted, really. But what message would you give to people that are, you know, trying to think how they're going to turn their life around? Well, for those people that are wanting to turn their life around, maybe in a similar way to me or my sister, so someone that's at, you know, what is it, rock bottom, really in a really dark place, yeah. well, I would have to do what I did. Or I would encourage people to do what I did. Back in 1998, as part of my journey, is I did something I should have done when I was a child. As I reached out and I asked for some help. Yeah. I haven't had time to go through how my relationships were impacted by the loss of my mum. I was felt like I wasn't good enough, self-sabotage. And that went on for years. It was a pattern. And I finally decided to go see a counsellor. And it took me two and a half years to go through all the issues that I had. So my, my first bit of advice would be, if you've got stuff going on for you, then reach out and get some support and, uh, and connect with other people. And, and we don't need to do it on our own. We do, no. we do not need to do it. There is, there is help. Even for homeless, there is help out there, but you need to want to... You've got to want to help yourself, haven't you? Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's a, a key message, really. So, Richard, I'm really, really 
I'm, I'm sure everyone else is keen to know what motivates you as a person. What what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, normally my work gets me out of bed when I've got it, but of course things have slowed down. But I am really busy trying to adapt to what's going on, and I think that's what motivates me. My desire to leave behind the the, the childhood, you know, the poverty, and all that as a child. I don't want to live that life again. So I want to provide for my family. So. So even before I became a speaker, it was all about providing for my family or doing well and providing for myself. So do well at work, get promoted. Do, be the best version of you that you can be because I don't want to lose things again. So that's what motivates me. But I think what equally as important for me is every person that doing the work that I do now, I share my story either through my books or my online sessions or whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. At some point in those sessions, my mum's death is mentioned. And I've lost count, actually, now. I've lost count of the amount of people over the years that I've either read, seen me, been inspired, been able to forgive somebody, because what we even didn't even touch on is how I forgave my mum's killer in 2010. So when I share that story, for every person that's helped or inspired themselves to make a change in their lives, yeah. it basically means my mum's death wasn't in vain. And every time that happens, it just gives me a lovely feeling inside. And so hopefully I will continue to do that from here on in, even though it'll probably be virtual presentations most of the time, for the short term at least. But only for the short term. Things will, things will change. But I think, you know, I think if you can still spread your message virtually, then, then that's a positive thing. So what's next? What's next for Richard McCann? Come on, share, share, what, you, share what you're up to. I know there's a grand plan somewhere, whenever you're involved. There's always something. I wouldn't say there's, I mean, obviously the business, the ICANN Academy has changed over the years and we've obviously the keynote speaker, then there's the resilience, which I've been asked for today. In fact, I've got an inquiry today. There's the presentation skills, but then the new thing for me, and it's to do with COVID really, is typically an event organizer or a organization will book me to speak at their conference. But because of the restrictions we've got right now, my idea is this Inspire the Nation initiative where organizations can book onto one of my webinars and get that resilience or that inspiration at the same time as other organizations. And I've only thought about doing that because of what's going on and the way that we're having, having to work over the last few months, but there's no reason why we shouldn't do it. So I can have a presentation where somebody in, I don't know, Northern Ireland or in South Wales can book on at the same time. And yeah. So that's for me, what I want to do is inspire the nation the initiative. You absolutely do that anyway, Richard. And thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast and blog. Really, really appreciate your time. And best of luck with Inspire the Nation. I know you won't need it. I know loads of people sign up to that. Um, it sounds like a brilliant idea. So, um, so fantastic. And um, take care and uh, look forward to hearing all about it soon. Thank you. I look forward to bumping into you at an event at some point. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much to Richard McCann for taking the time to speak to us on episode one of the Sheer Business Inspiration podcast. I'm sure I speak for everyone, Richard, um, when I say that you have had severe troubling times and you really have shown that resilience and bounce back ability and the ability to ask for help you know, will support people that are in, in difficult situations right now. So thank you for that. Um, and if anyone does want to speak to Richard regarding his 
um, you know, motivational and resilience workshops. And also, um, in terms of his Inspire the Nation, I'm sure Richard would be more than happy to, uh, to oblige. Now, in two weeks' time, we are going to be speaking to Ninda Johal, and he's our second guest. Um, so he'll be our episode two. Ninda is the CEO of The Natural Group. And he's also the Deputy Lieutenant of the West Midlands. Ninda is a fellow event professional and we'll be talking about his career in the music industry and the events industry and what he's up to right now and what's coming up. All very exciting, so we can't wait for that. If you're enjoying the content, we would love to connect with you. We are um, an agency that can support you with event requirements and venue fines, so please do reach out to us. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well because these chats will also be uploaded as vlogs as well. So um, thanks for joining us and hope you enjoyed it.